welcome to the Dream Big Revolution with Leanne Hilger. Are you ready to live the life that you want? It's time for the Dream Big Revolution with Leanne Hilgers. The next hour will inspire you to find health, wealth, and happiness. Success is straight ahead. And now, here's your host, Leanne Hilgers. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for joining me on the Dream Big Revolution. Um, and on the Dream Big Revolution, we are going to help you live your dreams. And you can start living your dreams today. Does that sound good? So the first thing we need to do is stop wasting time so you can get what you want and have the guts to succeed because you've got it. That's right. You can start living your dreams today, and I am going to tell you how. So what we're going to do today is first, I'm going to introduce myself a little bit so that you know a little bit about me and how I've been living my dreams. Now, here's how the Dream Big Revolution works. You get to realize your dreams by helping someone else realize theirs. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Anyways, but first of all, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. About 10 years ago, I started becoming quite ill, and I developed a digestive illness. And what was happening was I wasn't absorbing nutrients. And so basically, I was was basically starving to death because my body wasn't absorbing the nutrients that it was supposed to. And along with that, I became extremely hypoglycemic, and I also developed food allergies to about 20 different foods. So that became, that became quite difficult for me. It became difficult for me to function like that. And, and I just became more sick and more sick because we just didn't, couldn't find out. We, it didn't even have a name. We couldn't even figure out what was going on. And um, it, was, it was difficult for me to, to function because I was so hypoglycemic that I had to basically eat something substantial every couple of hours. And so if you can imagine, I couldn't make it through the night without eating because I would wake up in the middle of the night blind because my blood sugar would get so low. And then in the morning, the first thing that I had to do was find something substantial to eat. And, you know, we think that that might be um, eggs or a big bacon egg breakfast or something like that, but I couldn't eat eggs, so, so that wasn't an option. So I had to uh, eat you know, something left over from last night or something like that, which isn't always too much fun in the morning. But anyway, so I was trying to make myself, make my life better, but what was happening is I also had what we call, nowadays we call the perfect storm going on in my life. And um, so that what that means is there was nothing going on, nothing going right in my life at the time. And so I was in a job that was, that was terrible. It was a very bleak job, and I had an abusive boss. I was in a marriage that was not going to stand the test of time. And to make things better, I was trying to go to school to get a master's degree. And I, I was not able to get a master's degree in my area, which was um, in information systems. So I, I was not, there wasn't one at the local university, so I had to drive to another university that was about three hours away. Well, I live in Canada, and to drive 
three hours to go to classes in the middle of February was often very difficult, and I had to get up at four in the morning, you know, to make it to an eight o'clock class in the in the middle of winter, and uh, so that was very difficult, and it and it was a hard couple of years because things just didn't improve. In fact, they just kept getting worse, and and as time went by, I was getting thinner and thinner, and um, and getting closer and closer to dying. And it eventually got to the point where I was less than 90 pounds and my hair was falling out in clumps and I, you know, I had that real sickly look. My, my face was all sunk in and I had, uh, you know, dark circles under my eyes and, and I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. And so, you know, when you get into that spot, if any of you have ever been in that spot or um, have it, have known somebody who's been that sick, it's a really interesting situation to be in, you know, because you just kind of, all you have the strength to do is to lay in bed and plan your funeral. And so I would do that, and then thankfully the funeral didn't come. And, you know, you sit there and you think about what the world is going to be like, what your little corner of the world is going to be like in your absence. And... Um, you know, and that, that's what you would do. And then the next day you would do the same thing. Well, that starts getting tired after a while. But I was so weak that I, I didn't have the strength to do anything. And being, you know, I, I'm pretty tall and I'm about five foot eight feet tall and um, I was less than 90 pounds, so I was pretty thin. And, and when I was that thin and when I was that sick, you know, I never did give up hope that I was going to get this thing turned around. And so when I was just laying there and all I had the strength to do was to sit around and plan my funeral, um, I was brought down to a martial arts school. Now, this was probably a bad idea, <laughs> but it seemed to have worked out for me. <laughs> so I was brought down to a martial arts school. And I went down there, and they were real nice to me. And they taught me how to punch and how to kick, and they taught me some stretches. And, and you know, I thought they were just doing the most bizarre behavior, meaning exercising, because I had never done anything athletic in my whole entire life before. And so this was just so strange to me. And, and here they were, you know, exercising, and I was so nervous that I was nauseous. And I went in, though, and, and I did what I could, and I left at the end of it, and I thought, you know, that wasn't so bad. I might try that again. And so I went home, and I rested for a few days, and I came back again. And just to explain to you how sick I was, you know, how they wear, they wear a uniform for martial arts, and, and uh, I would put my uniform on, and that would just absolutely exhaust me. And I would have to sit down and rest after I put my uniform on. And then I had to drive down to the martial arts school. And I live in a small community, and so it would only take me 10 or 15 minutes to get there. And that would exhaust me. And I remember staring down at my steering wheel. And the interior of my car was gray. And I just sat there staring at my steering wheel, panting, trying to work up the strength to push my car door open. I, didn't ha I wasn't strong enough to push my car door open. But I went in, and I did what I could, and I never told anybody that I was sick, and they said they didn't know, and I don't know how they couldn't have known because you can tell when somebody's that sick. But I went in, and I did what I could, and at the end of it, 
I thought, you know, that wasn't so bad. I might try that again. And so I went home and I rested and went back again a couple of days. And it seemed to me that it was getting easier, that each time I went, it got a little bit easier. And so I kept doing that, and I did that for a couple of weeks. Well, two weeks later, I had my regular doctor's appointment. And I went in to see him, and, you know, he's, he's writing on my chart, you know, writing his hieroglyphics down, looking down through his bifocals, how they do. And, and he said, so what's new today? What can we do for you today? And I said, I'm not sure, but I think I might be feeling better. And, you know, I really couldn't, I didn't want to admit that things were improving for me because I had been so sick for so long and so many people had promised that they could help me and nobody could and it was just getting worse and worse and I just, I, I couldn't entertain the thought that things were getting better because I couldn't handle any more disappointment if it didn't get better. So he said, what, you know, what can we do to, for you today? And I said, you know what, I'm not sure, but I think I might be feeling better. And he said, yeah, I'm not surprised. We've been trying lots of things for you, doing lots of things. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, no, it's not really anything we've been doing here. I've been going to a martial arts class. And he looked at me like I had slapped him across the face, and he started wagging his little fat finger at me, and he said, you should not be exercising. You're too, you're too weak. You should be resting at home. You're going to overwork yourself. You're going to overwhelm yourself. You're going to strain yourself. You should not be exercising. And I thought, you know what? Nothing we've been trying here has been working. So I'm going to go back. And so I went back. I went back to the school. And I, I went a few more times. And each time I went, it seemed to get a little bit easier. And two weeks later, I was back in the doctor's office. And he said to me, what can we do for you today? And I said, I am healthy and I am strong. And he said, you're welcome. <laughs> so anyways... I was feeling a bit better, and it was time for me to be making some changes in my life because now I had my health back, and I still had my food allergies, and I was still hypoglycemic, but I was feeling better. And so it was time to be clearing up that perfect storm that I had going on. And so I decided I had to make some other great big changes in my life, and I had to start living my dream. And I'm going to tell you about how I started doing that when we come back from the break. It's time to realize your dreams. Leanne Hilgers is ready to speak to your organization or event about success. A Jill of all trades, Leanne is a model, singer, performer, a national champion in martial arts, and holds a master's degree in information systems. Leanne is the portrait of success. After battling a chronic disease, Leanne healed her way through martial arts. She relocated to New Zealand and won a silver medal at the ITFNZ 2004 Nationals. Leanne now travels the world delivering messages of hope and encouragement. Her lively yet relaxed presentation puts 
are in high demand to speak at top organizations and events throughout the world. Leanne shares her setback to success story and shows that no matter where we are in life, our dreams can be realized. What if what is meant for you is bigger and better than anything you can imagine? You're listening to the Dream Big Revolution with your host, Leanne Hilgers. I was telling you a little bit about my story. Well, what was happening is now I had my health back, so it was time to clear up the perfect storm that I had going on. So what happened was I quit that nasty job that I was working at where uh, things weren't going so well. My marriage did not stand the test of time, and... I was going to this university trying to get my master's degree, and that wasn't working out either. I, was, I had completed all the courses for my master's degree. I had written my thesis, and I thought I was going to graduate, and my supervisor quit academics altogether, and I was left without a degree. And so I, I was trying to get a degree out of the university, but, you know, it just wasn't working. It was like pushing a river uphill. And so I decided I was going to look for a different school to go to. And because, you know, I felt I had been limited for so long because I had been so sick for so long, I really didn't want to limit myself anymore. And so I started looking all over the world. And I finally found somebody who was researching almost the exact same thing that I was, which was strategic alignment for information systems. And at the time, there was only a a handful of people researching it in the world. And so I was so lucky to find somebody who was researching almost exactly the same thing I was. The only thing was, if I wanted to work and study with this person, I would have to move to New Zealand. Well, I knew next to nothing about New Zealand. I knew very little about it. Um, I knew, you know, I, I had I met people from New Zealand, and I had, you know, seen some pictures, but I really didn't know anything about it. But sometimes when you know something is right, you just have to do it. I just had to go to New Zealand. I just, I had to move there. I didn't know how I was going to live or find a place to live or, or how to feed myself because I had all, all these food allergies and I didn't know how their labeling systems worked on food or anything. And so I, I just knew I had to go, though. And so I phoned this person up and we talked, this, this person who was researching the same thing I was, and we talked for an hour on the phone. And at the end of the hour, I said, I will see you in New Zealand. And he said, when you get here, there'll be a job waiting for you. Well, so I packed up my house, sold my house, said goodbye to everyone and everything that was familiar to me, packed up my food allergies, and I flew to New Zealand. And, you know, you think that moving to another country on the other side of the planet would be an easy thing to do, but uh, not so much. (laughs) So I had a real tough time finding a place to live, and when I did find a place to live, the place was just beautiful, and it overlooked the water, and, and I was so happy to finally have a place to settle and, and to start living my new adventure in New Zealand, which is such a beautiful country. If you've ever been there or if you haven't been there, I so recommend you go because it is just amazing. But 
apparently cockroaches come out at night. And the apartment that I had rented was absolutely infested with cockroaches. And so I didn't even end up spending one night in this apartment. And then I was off searching for another place to live. And so I had a bit of a rough start, but, you know, and I don't know if anybody's noticed, but they drive on the other side of the road there. And compared to the small town that I was living in, now I was in Auckland, which is a big city, and the driving is much different. Plus, it's on the other side of the road. And so I, you know, I finally I got settled. I found a new place to live, which was really nice. And I got myself a car, and I learned how to drive on the other side of the road. And that gave me some freedom. And so I found myself a Taekwondo school there. And, you know, because of my recovery, I was pretty loyal to martial arts. So this was nice because I was working really hard at my master's degree because I was so determined to get that finished. And I was working really hard at my job. I was, I was editing a journal. And so now I got some balance. I can go to Taekwondo and I can have, you know, have have some balance and have some fun. And so I found this Taekwondo school. And just by sheer luck, the Taekwondo school I went to, all the coaches were world champions. And some of them were world champions multiple times over. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity. I am going to make the most of this opportunity so I needed a goal because, you know, if you don't have a goal, you're putting all your efforts and it's, it's going in a million different directions at once, you know, and, and you're just you're, you're putting all your effort out there and, and you don't have a place to focus it. It would be like if you got in your car and started driving and you drove and drove and drove and then you decided where you're going to go. So that's what goals do. They help us decide where we're going to go. And so I needed a goal. Well, it turns out, as luck would have it, these amazing coaches that I was, I was exposed to and these amazing people, they were training two teams. And one team was going to go to the world championships, and one team was going to go to the national championships. So I set a goal. I wanted the courage to try out for the team that was going to nationals. So my whole goal was the courage. That's the important part. I had no delusions of actually making it. I never thought I was going to make that team. But my goal was to have the courage to try out for the team that was going to nationals. And so I just wanted to, you know, run in, um, sign my name down on the paper, and run out before all the laughter started. That was basically what I was thinking. But it gave me a goal, and it gave me something to work really hard for. And so now we're going to do something a little bit different here on the Dream Big Revolution. If you could go find yourself a pen and paper, because, you know, having a goal is so important. And, you know, there's a saying, unless you write your goals down, they're just a wish. And we need to be able to write our goals down so that we have a good shot of realizing our goals. So if you can find yourself a a pen and a paper, and we're going to talk about goals for a minute. Now, goals are very realistic things. They're very concrete, I always say. They, they should be time-sensitive. They should be quantifiable, meaning that you should be able to put a number to them. So say if your goal, my goal was to go try, have, find the courage to try out for the national team. Well, there was time sensitivity so, um, because there was a sign-up date. 
and there were certain things that I needed to accomplish in, in doing that. So say if your goal is, I want to make an extra $2,000 this month. There is a number, $2,000, and the date is at the end of the month. Or what if your goal is a little bit more gray or, or unclear than that? Like say, what if your goal is, uh, I want to be a better person or I want to be a better parent? Well, if your goal is, unless we put a number and a date to it, we can never realize that goal. And so then we start feeling bad about ourselves because you know, we're not realizing our goals, and we really don't want to do that. So let's make it so that we can realize our goal. So say, if, for example, your goal is to be a better person. Well, that might be that you perform three random acts of kindness this week. So you've got a number three and you've got a date this week. Well, what if it's a, you know, I want to be a better parent, so I'm not going to scream at my kids more than four times today. <laughs> so, so we have a number four times and the end of the day is, is the date. So write down your goal and put a date and put a number to it. So now what I want you to do, I had that goal. I wanted to have the courage to sign up to try out for the national team. But my dream was to actually make the team. And you know, our dreams are something that are so big and so grandiose that we don't even think that we have any possibility of them ever becoming a reality. And they're so far away, sometimes we think that we can never start on them. And so I'm here to tell you, you can, and you can start working on them today. And let's start doing that right now. So start doing that by writing down what your dream is. So just take a second, write down your dream. Now I want you to have a look at it. And dreams, you know, I said that goals need to be very concrete and realistic. They should be challenging, but they should be achievable. You know, you should have to strive for them, but you should be able to realize them. The difference with a dream is your dream should be unreasonable. I'm going to say that again. Your dream should be unreasonable. So if your dream is not unreasonable, have another look at it and make it unreasonable. Now, now what I want you to do, I want you to start breaking the dream down into little pieces, smaller and smaller and smaller pieces, until you can think of something that takes you less than one minute. And I want you to write that down. So now what you have to do, you've got something that takes you less than one minute. You can do it today. And I want you to call a friend and tell them the same thing. Get them to write down their goals and their dreams and get them to break down their dreams into something that takes them one, less than one minute. And that's the Dream Big Revolution. You get to realize your dreams by helping somebody else realize theirs. And I want you two to make a commitment to each other, to check up on each other, to make sure that you do that thing that takes less than one minute. So here's what you do. So once you've decided on something that's going to take you less than one minute to, and you've, you've found a friend and you've made that commitment. And even if you, you don't have to find a friend, but just make that commitment to do that thing that takes you less than one minute to do.
It's time to realize your dreams. Leanne Hilgers is ready to speak to your organization or event about success. A Jill of all trades, Leanne is a model, singer, performer, a national champion in martial arts, and holds a master's degree in information systems. Leanne is the portrait of success. After battling a chronic disease, Leanne healed her way through martial arts. She relocated to New Zealand and won a silver medal at the ITFNZ 2004 Nationals. Leanne now travels the world delivering messages of hope and encouragement. Her lively yet relaxed presentation puts her in high demand to speak at top organizations and events throughout the world. Leanne shares her setback to success story and shows that no matter where we are in life, our dreams can be realized. You're listening to the Dream Big Revolution with your host, Leanne Hilgers. Welcome back, everyone. So, we've written down our goals, we've written down our dreams, we've made a commitment to realize our dreams. How exciting. I just have to tell you, you know, what if, I want you to consider for a second, what if what is meant for you is bigger and better than anything you can even imagine. You know, when I was laying in bed, sick, preparing to die, and planning my funeral, I couldn't have ever imagined what was in store for me. I couldn't have imagined that I would be going to New Zealand and working on a master's degree and working and, and trying out for, for a team that was going to nationals. Well, I couldn't even imagine it. So imagine for yourself, what if what is meant for you is bigger and better than anything you can even imagine. So what happened was, so I started training, I did sign up, and lo and behold, when I did sign up, find the courage to sign up for the, to try out for the team that was going to nationals, no one laughed. And so I started trying out, and tryouts were several months long, and I learned what peak performance was. And I was working really hard. I was working hard at, at school. I was working hard at work. And I was working really hard at Taekwondo. And I, I very much wanted to be successful. I wanted something to be going right in my life and, and to do well. And so I was working really hard at everything. And I was doing stuff that I never thought that I was capable of doing. But the thing is, we have skills and abilities and talents inside of us that we don't even know that we have. We can do stuff that we don't even know that we can do until we get put in a spot where we have to do it, and then sometimes this comes out. Well, we don't always have to be put in that spot. We can find that within ourselves, that we can do things that we never thought that we would be able to do. And so I was, I was learning what peak performance was, and tryouts was, took a long time, and uh, Finally, the day came where I was getting burnt out. I was working so hard at work, and I was working so hard at Taekwondo and school, and I took the afternoon off, and I thought, I'm on this amazing adventure. Here I am in New Zealand, and it was summertime there and wintertime back in Canada, and so I took the afternoon off, and I went to the beach, and I had the most marvelous day. And I made up my mind that day that, you know, if things weren't going to work out, and if I didn't get to realize my dreams, at least I was going to have one amazing adventure. And so I decided that, and I let all the stresses go. The next day I went into work, and I found out that my thesis was finished, 
and I was, it was going to be put forward for graduation. And that night I found out I had made the team that was going to nationals. So you can imagine what a surprise that was, that you know, I went from being the sick girl in a small town in Canada to traveling to New Zealand, finishing a master's degree, working at a job, and now I was on a team that was going to nationals. Well, it was a huge shock, but I, and I was working hard, and, and, but what I was doing was I was visualizing just as much as I was working out. And so I was visualizing, and the thing with visualizing is if you're prepared mentally for all sorts of different things to happen, it doesn't matter what happens because you're just prepared and you can deal with whatever happens. So although I was working out a lot, and now that my master's degree was finished, I had more time to dedicate to going to nationals and to Taekwondo. So I was working out, you know, a lot, but I was doing as much visualizing and mental exercising as I was doing the physical. So that's a lot. So I was prepared for anything. Well, the day came, three days before nationals, we had our official weigh-in. And the officials came with their official scales from... Um, all different parts of the country, and they weighed us in. And when it came to be my turn, and we filled out the paperwork, and I stepped up on the scale, and there was this silence. And I knew something was wrong, and something was terribly wrong, and nobody was saying anything. And it was three days before nationals. And I had not made my weight. In martial arts, they put you into weight categories. Well, I had lost you know, weight again, and I was so fit, they put me in the lightweight category. And I was two and a half kilos, or about five pounds, overweight. And if you're overweight, you can't compete. So here I was, after everything I had been through, after being so sick and traveling to New Zealand and working so hard and finding the courage to sign up for nationals and, and training and trying out, and it was all gone. It was gone in an instant like that. And our lives can change so instantly like that. But you know what, we just don't need to buy into some of the things that happen. And so what you know, we need to do is to just realize what we're capable of. And so I had the best coaches in the world. And my coach came up to me and he said, you didn't make your weight category. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, not a problem. Because he didn't buy into the limitations that I had seen for myself. And so he told me how I could lose that weight. And so I exercised, and I basically what I had to do was dehydrate myself. And it was really unhealthy, but nothing and no one was going to stand between me and my dream. And I ended up that I did lose the weight, and I did get to go to nationals. And I found that things were going pretty well for me. Because I had visualized so much, I was so well prepared, both mentally and physically. Things were going pretty well for me. Well, then I found out that I was in the medal rounds. And then I found out I was in the gold medal round. Well, good shock or bad shock, it's still a shock. And <laughs> you still need to be prepared. So I went off and I mentally prepared for that. Well, because I had done so much visualizing and so much mental prepared for it, it wasn't a big job. And so I just slowed my world down, and I thought, I need a goal. What's that goal going to be? 
I am going to bring the gold medal back to Canada. That's a good goal. And so I went out there, and I fought with this other woman, and she wanted it just as bad as I did. And we went back and forth and back and forth, and she chased me out of the ring, and I chased her out of the ring, and that's how it went. And we hit each other hard. And the fight went that way all the way through, and it was the longest fight ever. And then it happened, and she laid a left hook on me, and it hit the side of my eye. Her glove went across my eyeball, taking out my contact lens and landing on the side of my nose, and I heard it crack. (laughs) And I had the best coaches in the world, and my coach jumped up and caught me, and we sat down, and if he wouldn't have caught me, if I would have fell down or something, I would have been disqualified. And sometimes, you know, you need somebody to catch you like that. And he caught me, and he sat me down, and we had a timeout, and the ref came over, and he said, can she go back in? And my coach looked at him and said, yes, she can. And I didn't know I could go back in, but he did. He knew I could go back in, and he pushed me back in the ring. And you know what? Sometimes we need somebody to push us back in the ring because he didn't see my limitations, but I did. And so sometimes we need somebody to give us that little extra shove. So he pushed me back in the ring, and we finished the fight, and it was the longest couple of seconds of my life, I swear. And um, we sat down, and, and when the fight was over and we had to kneel down on the mats, and we were waiting and waiting. And normally what they do is they just hold up the color of your flag if you won. Well, it just took forever. And we're waiting and waiting. And it's going back and forth. And then they went to committee. And, you know, the biggest decision of your life. And they have to chat about it, you know. And so they were waiting. And they went to committee. And they were talking. And then finally they went, they, they disbanded, and they had made their decision, and she got the gold medal, and I got the silver medal. And so people ask me, was, was I disappointed? Was I crushed? You know, was, was, it, was it horrible for me? And I say, yeah, it was for about 10 seconds. And then I realized what I had done. I had brought the silver, I had gotten a silver medal. I had gone from being the sick girl who was laying in bed planning her funeral not a year before and to, to, traveling to, to getting well and traveling to New Zealand by myself and starting a new life in a new country and finishing a master's degree and, and being successful at work and winning a silver medal at nationals in Taekwondo. And... So, yeah, was I crushed I didn't get the gold? Yeah, for about 10 seconds. And then I realized, you know, that's not what was the important part. The important part was the journey that I had gone on to get there. The important part was that I had set goals and I worked really hard to achieve them. And the important part was that I had a dream and I got to live my dream. And... When we get to live our dream, our lives are so valuable and so precious, and our time is so precious that we need to stop wasting time and to start living our dream life 
Because if we're not doing that, we're just wasting our valuable and precious time that we have. And we need to do that. We need to stop wasting time and get what we want and, and live our dream life. So I want you to take a second and think about that dream you wrote down and think about living your Just remember, what if what is meant for you is bigger and better than anything you can even dream? So everybody, go out there, start living your dream life, stop wasting time, get what you want, and, and start realizing your success. Have the guts to succeed because you've got it. <laughs> 